on the Experts Connect podcast, we have thought-provoking conversations with top-performing experts on topics that matter to you. With Experts Connect, you'll uncover fascinating facts and gain the necessary skills you'll need to improve all aspects of your life. Today, Alessia will be sharing her knowledge on what we need to know about the COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. Alessia Johnson-Samuels is a proud old girl of St. Andrew High School for Girls in Jamaica. In 2006, she received her Bachelor in Botany and Zoology. Later in 2011, she completed a Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery. Furthermore, in 2020, she completed her postgraduate education and earned a Doctor of Medicine in Anesthesia and Intensive Care. All degrees were pursued at the University of the West Indies in Mona, Jamaica. She has been a part of the Ebola Accident and Emergency Response Team and is currently a member of the COVID-19 Intensive Care Unit Team at the Southeast Regional Health Authority Spanish Town Hospital in Jamaica. Hi Alicia, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks for asking and how are you? I'm well, thank you. So Alicia, tell me, What's the role of vaccines in keeping us healthy? Vaccines are a very important part of our machinery to help us keep the population healthy. Vaccines help to decrease morbidity and mortality. And it also helps with increasing our productive hours because we know if you're ill, you can't be at work. And if you're at work, you may not be as efficient and as productive if you weren't ill. So... Vaccines are very important to helping keeping ourselves healthy. Okay, great. And Alicia, tell me how do vaccines work? Do you want to know how vaccines work or are you particularly interested in the, this set of COVID vaccines? Because you have different types of vaccines. All the vaccines work with the same general principle. A pathogen is introduced to the body. Mm-hmm. And pathogen can be a bacteria, it can be a virus, it can be a fungus, right? Mm-hmm. And our body sees this invading pathogen that has come and said, oh, this is foreign, we need to get rid of it. Yeah. And then it incites an immune response where our body goes about making cells that will destroy this invader and then subsequently form memory cells who will remember, okay, I remember the time this particular virus invaded and we got rid of it by mounting this response. So that if we get another infection, a subsequent infection, it mounts the response in such a way that it attenuates the course of the disease or prevents it. So, you know, you have very mild symptoms. Some people don't have symptoms at all. But if you're asking specifically about the COVID-19 vaccines, there are different ways that it introduces this quote-unquote pathogen 
or quote unquote the coronavirus to us? Or did that answer your question? I was just thinking in terms of the general principle of how vaccine works. Maybe later we can go into how the COVID vaccine works. Okay, well, that's the general principle. You have a foreign a foreigner comes and the body says, oh, this foreigner does not belong here. Let us get rid of it. And so you have what is, when a foreign virus or a, what we call a pathogen enters, you have the things on the virus particle itself that we call antigen because they, that once the body recognizes antigen as foreign, it causes the body to to activate an inflammatory and immune response, which then causes activation of our immune system to help us to get rid of the virus. Okay, thanks for sharing. And can you give us a few examples of how vaccines have helped us through history? Okay, we know that extensively, especially in third world countries, you have launched vaccines such as diphtheria, pertussis, tetanus toxide, um, and so, and TB vaccine, BCG. And so because of this in the developing world, um, these disease, diphtheria, pertussis, tetanus, they're not very big public health issues in countries where these vaccines are routinely given to school-aged children. Yeah. And then if we remember smallpox, I don't know smallpox. I have no personal history with smallpox. And that is because smallpox has been eradicated thanks to vaccination. What um, other diseases that have been close to eradication are polio and measles. But in first world countries or industrial countries where vaccination is not compulsory and vaccination is, yeah, let's use the word compulsory, where vaccination is not compulsory for school-aged children. You would find outbreaks of these in pockets where you have decreasing vaccination rates in the school-aged children. Okay, and how can people gain immunity to the COVID-19 disease? Hmm, that's a very interesting question. How can people gain immunity? Well, in reading, because you know, COVID-19 is a particularly new virus to us and we're learning. Every day we get more information and more data. And I remember coming across a classification actually by some COVID-19 researchers at University of Texas, and they actually have come up with theories, four possible theories as to how we can gain immunity. And I like theories because it's not a general thing where we say, oh, it must be this. It's like, it could possibly this or this or this, you know, we really don't know. But the theories that they have come up with, that is the COVID-19 researchers at University of Texas, is that there is sterilizing immunity, functional immunity, um, waning immunity and lost immunity. Functional immunity refers to persons who get sick with, with the, the virus. So they get sick 
And it's like a one and done shot thing where your body forms the fighter cells, the memory cells, the immune cells, so that if the virus is introduced to the body again, the body remembers it and incites an immune response so quickly that the person doesn't get sick again. Whereas functional immunities, for example, you know, persons who get the vaccination and after getting the vaccination, the body incites the immune response and with the immune response, they get the infection that one time or are vaccinated and the body forms the memory cells. And then when a subsequent introduction to the virus comes along, the course of the illness is not as severe as the first course if you had the infection before. And then you have waning immunity where you get the infection and you get a certain amount of immunity or a certain time of immunity. And then after a certain amount of time, there, there isn't like a set thing like you get six weeks or you get nine weeks or you get nine months. But after a certain amount of time, you lose immunity. So it wanes, the immunity wanes. And the final one is lost immunity where they speculate that some people um, upon introduction to the virus don't actually mount a, an immune response or they don't gain any immunity from that introduction. And so they're prone to getting it again because they have this lost immunity. Mm, so is that the reason why so many people are being reinfected with the virus because of lost immunity? Um, I don't think so. I'm not a fan of that theory. I'm more a fan of the functional immunity or the waning immunity. And the thing is that when you get infected with a pathogen, mm -hmm. and 19 viruses are pathogen, the immunity that you get is not immediate. Upon the initial infection, it takes your body a while to form these memory cells. So if, for example, you get the vaccine, because there have been reports recently in the news where they say, oh, persons get the vaccine and subsequent to getting the vaccine, they've tested positive for COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Reason for this is, and the manufacturers, they do tell you that, you know, it takes your body a while, a few days to form the fighter cells and the memory cells, mm -hmm. right? So if the time between inoculation with the vaccine and to your body forming those fighter cells, you get introduced to the virus, you can infect, you can get infected and get symptoms. So I would say it is more a function of that. Interesting and very enlightening, Alicia. And tell us more because you just mentioned a bit about the vaccines. What vaccines are available to the general public? Well, if we're keeping up with the news and in recent times you would you would frequently see mention of Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech yeah. and recently AstraZeneca got approval in 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 UK and I think India if I'm not incorrect and these are just three vaccines but if you go on the WHO website 
there are about 50 different vaccines at various stages vying for approval. So there are many people, many countries out there that are trying to help us in this pandemic, trying to develop vaccines. But currently, those are the three that are currently available. The Moderna and the Pfizer are more widely available because they got approval before AstraZeneca. But yeah, those are the ones that are available to us now. Okay, and if I go back to the question where I asked the general perspective of how vaccines work, but how do these COVID-19 vaccines work, especially like the Pfizer and the Moderna? Well, the Pfizer and the Moderna are mRNA vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. If you go on the WHO website, they will tell you about the different types of vaccines that um, are in development. So you have a protein subunit vaccine, you have the vector vaccine, and you have the mRNA vaccine. Mm -hmm. The Moderna and the Pfizer, they are mRNA vaccines. And what that means is that um, mRNA is, messen is, is the messenger RNA vaccine. And what that means is that the scientists have taken a small amount of the virus mRNA that codes for a certain protein on, of the COVID-19 virus. And once we're inoculated with this mRNA vaccine and the mRNA is in our cells, it's, it's the mRNA, it causes our cells to code for or produce this COVID-19 protein. But it is foreign, as is the mRNA. So what does your body do? Your body incites an immune response and gets rid of this foreign pathogen. But the protein that was coded for has the antigen part on it. And the antigen part is what the body um, sees as foreign. And it is what causes the body to go on to form the antibodies to kill it so that if you are reintroduced to the virus subsequently, your body will say, oh, I've met this before. We know how to fight this. You really explained it very well. Thanks for sharing, Alicia. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of the things that many people are wondering, including myself, is really, so these vaccines were developed very quickly. So mm -hmm. everybody's wondering, are they safe? Tell us, please, are they really safe for us to take? Well, vaccine safety is very important and it is a concern to everybody, which is rightly so. And vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccines that have been approved thus far have thus far been proved to be safe. You have different regional bodies mm -hmm. and national bodies that monitor vaccine safety. So depending on which country you are in, you have a body that is um, governing or ensuring that the product that is coming to us as a consumer is safe to consume. And so far they've been pretty good at releasing information that they have in terms of vaccine safety and reassuring the public in my opinion. So yeah. Yes, I would say that the vaccines are safe. Okay. And 
You know, on you know, with the internet and WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, there are a lot of things that have been going viral and people were saying that they got sick from the vaccine, some have fainting spells, etc. We don't know if it's true, but what side effects should we expect when we take this vaccine? That's a very good question. And that is something that everybody should know. So everything in this life has a side effect. Whether we take prescription drugs or we take um, old wife's tale medication, you know, you drink ginger tea if your stomach is upset, everything has side effects. And that includes the COVID-19 vaccine. And I must commend the developers in advising the public as to the different side effects. One of the side effects that have been grabbing the headlines recently is this allergic reaction and anaphylaxis. So based on the numbers that they have released, the, the risk of having an allergic reaction or a side effect is about 11.1 per million population. The numbers look big because the, the, the vaccination target size is big. But if you look at it in terms of percentage, percentage population that is um, affected by this side effect, it's still very small. It's still a very small percentage. So it's not the general. Um, it's not like a general consensus that oh, a large amount of persons will experience it. Other um, side effects that persons can expect to experience with the vaccines are headaches, which they say is about two to four percent of persons who get it will get a headache. They will get tenderness. They can, I should say, they can get tenderness and swelling at the injection site. Some persons may have a fever. Some persons may have joint pain. Um, and something very interesting, just to put things in perspective, they say that about 2% of the persons who are vaccinated would have a fever. You think 2% is a big number? Not at all. Right. So 2% isn't that bad a number in terms of side effect for a drug. Mm -hmm. But if 35 million people get the vaccine, that's 700,000 people that will get a fever yeah it's a numbers game the, it's a numbers game really and truly but what we would advise is that you should contact your doctor if you think your symptoms are going on for a very long time or if you feel like they're getting worse so side effects are expected you know some of the scientists have even said oh if you have side effects that's a good sign that your body is mounting the appropriate response to the vaccine but if you have reason for concern after getting the vaccine you know feel free to call your doctor and have a phone consult or a virtual consult about your concerns yes but i'm gonna stay a bit on this one because people are afraid of more adverse side effects. Right. Do you know of any adverse side effects that we can expect? The one that is most frequently um, talked about in recent times is the, the allergic reaction. So mm -hmm. 
allergic reaction and anaphylaxis, which are two completely different things. You know, anaphylaxis is a severe response where your body just shuts down some people, their airway swells up, they may have blood pressure changes, they may have GI changes, they may have rashes. But of comfort is that they said the majority of persons who had this reaction had it within 15 minutes of getting the vaccine. So whereas you can have an allergic reaction um, hours to days after, if you're going to have a severe reaction, majority of the people who had the severe reaction had it within 15 minutes of getting the vaccine. And, you know, of course, they advise that if you are allergic to any component of the vaccine, you should not get it at all. Okay. All right. So moving on. All right. Let's say... No, let me not use myself as an example because everything <laughs> is too serious. <laughs> Let's say somebody had COVID in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And they want to know because, you know, a lot of countries would probably mandate that people get the vaccine if they want to travel, etc. So should this person who had COVID in the past get the vaccine if they want to travel? Um, there has been reports of people getting reinfected within months of their previous vaccine. Mm -hmm. Speak to a short duration of immunogenicity in terms of a short duration of, oh, I've had a previous infection. My immune system will protect me. That's, that immune protection seems to be very short short lasting so if you are traveling and you it is required for you to get a vaccine um i don't see that there is any problem that you could go ahead and get the vaccine okay so in general the principle is if you have had covid in the past it's okay to get the it's actually recommended to get the vaccine going right. forward yeah mm -hmm. okay all right, another thing, because I even saw this on the news, um, some people were wondering if they need to wear a mask after they have been vaccinated. What do you have to say, Dr. Johnson Samuels? <laughs> I would definitely say yes, for a number of reasons. So wearing a mask is saying that I am aware that we are in a global pandemic, pandemic right? Yes, I have received the vaccine, but the vaccine doesn't make you immune or it doesn't prevent you from getting a subsequent infection, right? As we were speaking earlier, if you got the COVID vaccine and you were infected with the COVID-19 virus prior to your body producing the immune fighter cells and the antibodies, then you can very well come down with the infection. What the vaccine does is hopefully protects you from having a severe course of illness. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely advise for you to continue wearing your mask after getting vaccinated and continue taking your precautions, you know, social distancing, washing your hands, and just being conscious during this time to try and decrease the of the virus yeah and you know you said it Alice and I think this is most concerning for people right 
you said that after you get the vaccine, there is a chance that you could be infected with COVID-19. I think I read that the vaccine is approximately 95% safe. Is that correct? Effective. Yeah. Effective, right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess there's a 5% chance that, hey, I can get it again. And that's, right. yeah, that's worrying for some people, including myself. But yeah, we will. We, Nothing in life is 100% guarantee. What in life is 100% guarantee? Tell me. Nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, Alicia, we have some questions from the general public. Um, okay. Actually, what happened was I also did a survey on Instagram. I don't have that many followers, but still 60% of the respondents said, hey, I'm willing to take a, the vaccine. And 40% said, no, I'm not going to take it. On Facebook, 50% said yes, and 50% said no. So in addition to that, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, people were sending me their questions, and I'm going to dive into them right now. Okay. So first one, when can we expect a children's vaccine to be approved because people are not only concerned about themselves, but also for their children. So when can we expect a children's vaccine to be approved? Well, if you look on the WHO website, they actually have a, they actually have a plan in terms of phased implementation or suggestion on phased implementation. And children are part of that further down. Currently in this, um, first wave of vaccination, they're targeting high risk individuals such as healthcare professionals and persons who are in extended care facilities because those are the highest risk persons. So I'm sure eventually our children um, will be vaccinated. Okay. And another person was concerned. I know this is more of a legal question um but yeah they they said i should ask you will people be forced to take the vaccine um that is a question it's very interesting um you had said earlier that you know maybe in the future they will say if you want to travel to a certain country you need to get the covid19 vaccination um currently as it stands no if it's travel to certain developing countries you're advised to get certain vaccines I suspect it will be a case like that mm -hmm. um, but who are we to tell we don't know because back to third world countries but school age children to go to school they have they have to have certain vaccines so in terms of it being mandatory only time will tell it would be based on the response that we have to the vaccine and how well we can get this pandemic under control. That's true. And also, this is a question I think is coming from the various um, social media circulation, viral stuff that's circulating on social media. Are there DNA altering properties? 
So there are no DNA altering properties in the vaccines that have been approved thus far. Um, person's hair RNA, which is very close to DNA and they get concerned. But as we had mentioned earlier, the RNA that is introduced, the COVID-19 RNA that is introduced, your body recognizes it as foreign and gets rid of it. So it's inoculated with vaccination. Your body recognizes it as foreign, incites the immune response and gets rid of it. So there's no DNA altering properties of the vaccines that have been approved thus far. Good stuff. And another interesting question that, you know, I remember someone was saying to another person um, that if you get the vaccine, you're going to become a walking internet. And I think this is because of another viral post um, that was saying that, you know, there is a chip that's in the COVID-19 vaccine. So, Miss Mrs. Medical Expert, I'd like to hear your opinion on this one. Does the vaccine contain microchips? Well, based on the information that's out there from WHO and from the manufacturers themselves, there is no microchips in the vaccine. Okay. And number, the next question. So this um, person was, was concerned in terms of the side effects, and this is what they said. Vaccines generally have a window where their side effects are unknown. How long will they need to observe the first batch of patients before the side effects are experientially known? So with COVID-19, um... I think it's very interesting because what regulators have done, they have, instead of the trials for the vaccine and the information from the trials being released after completion, they've been releasing information as they collect it. And so we're still collecting information and receiving information about side effects. So... I would say that the most troubling of the side effects would still be the allergic reaction and the anaphylaxis. And what the manufacturers have said is that vaccination should be or given by or at institutions where persons can treat anaphylaxis and allergic reactions appropriately. But in terms of less severe side effects, I would say that that is just information we'll be gathering as we go along because as you can see the efforts of the powers that be in the world is that we're trying to vaccinate as much persons as possible yeah. so if more people are vaccinated we're going to see bigger numbers in terms of side effects in terms of number of persons that are affected but that is because there is more persons being vaccinated not that the particular side effect is common with the vaccine, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The thing is that with, with previous, previous vaccines is that 
they've had more we were gathering the information first mm-hmm. and after we've gathered all the information I think with COVID-19 what they're doing is releasing the information as they get it so as the studies are ongoing yeah which, which other vaccine development in recent history we've been so keen to know what have the researchers found what stage of the trials are they right yeah so we we were getting information more on a real-time basis as opposed to old you know this was done and this was formed yeah so if i'm supposed to summarize it's it's really mm-hmm. an on the fly basis not so you can't really give a time basically. no we can't really give a time we definitely yeah. can't give a time Okay, so it's on the fly. Every time something happens, we release the results. Yeah, so I hope that answers your question. Um, The last question is, and I saw this video, it was actually released by a nurse on Instagram. And they were saying that the, you you mentioned it, I think you said the mRNA, right? Um, It's in the COVID-19 vaccine. But does this cause an autoimmune disease? So the COVID-19 vaccine has not been associated with autoimmune disease in all the research that they've done thus far. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, an autoimmune disease is as a result of your body recognizing its own cells as foreign yeah. and mounting a response to its own cells. Mm-hmm. COVID-19 vaccine does not do that. The COVID-19 vaccine mounts an immune response to the MR, to the protein that is coded for by the mRNA vaccine. So I would say no. Okay. But I mean, I'm not trying to trying to play the devil's advocate, but I've read a few papers that says that mRNA causes autoimmune disease. So yeah, it's a bit tricky, right? But this mRNA that is being introduced to your body, your body gets rid of it quickly. Mm, okay. I would beg to differ. I would disagree with the statement. I would say that, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine is not associated with autoimmune disease based on information that has been released to us thus far. Okay, so we trust you, Alessia. What's your message to our audience? I would say um, get the information, get the facts. So before making a decision, get the facts and make the decision that is right for you. You have to look on your personal situation. What is your risk? Who are you living with? Who are you trying to protect? Are you trying to protect yourself? Are you trying to protect your children? Are you trying to protect your parents, your elderly parents that you live with? Because we do have to remember that disproportionately, persons who are immunocompromised, whether it's be from diabetes or pregnancy or from the HIV virus, whether patients have cancer, hypertensive, you know, those patients are disproportionately at higher risk for a more severe course of illness. Mm-hmm. So is it that 
I want to protect myself because I have one of these risk factors? Is it that I want to protect someone in my household or in my family that I come in frequent contact with? Or is it that I'm saying, okay, I don't need the vaccine and I can do the necessary precautions and protect myself on my own? It's a very personal decision. So I would say get the facts and make the decision based on the facts and and you decide for yourself. Yeah, I'm really happy you said we should get the facts and we should also be conscientious about vulnerable people that we interact with. Where can right. we get these facts? So it depends on which region you're in. You can get it from your national health authorities. You can also get a good amount of information from the WHO and the PAHO website. Um, UK, you can get it from the NHS website. And if you're in the States, you can get it from CDC. So there are a number, there's a lot of information out there. And I would say, check that your information is valid. As you mentioned, there is a lot of hysteria out there. As with anything that is new and unknown, as human beings, we don't like new and we don't like unknown. Mm. I would say check your facts and double check and triple check your facts to ensure that it's correct. Is the source of this information a reliable source or is it just based on propaganda? So check your facts. Get the facts, check that your facts are from a reliable source and then double check and triple check and then make the decision based on what you think is right with you or for you and your family. I really love it. Double check and triple check. I love it. Thanks for sharing, Alicia. Thank you so much for giving us this enlightening information on the COVID-19 vaccine. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in on Experts Connect. Please head on over to teachsomebody.com and give us an applause. You may share your comments and ask your questions in the comment section. Please subscribe to us on YouTube as well as follow us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at Davis Owusu. Have a lovely rest of the week. Bye.